Welcome everyone to The Spoken Nerd, the podcast about database technology. I'm your host, Connor McDonald, and in this episode, we keep chatting to Optimizer Product Manager, Nigel Bayless. I preempted the recording of this podcast by reaching out to Twitter to ask people for their questions that I could pass on to Nigel. In this episode, we tackle the two questions that got the most traction on Twitter and therefore I thought would be worth discussing in detail. I did put out on Twitter yesterday, I said that I'd be having a chat with you on the podcast. And I said, if you have questions, throw me some DMs and, and I'll try work them in. There's two which I thought are probably worth talking about. And one's quite a, a niche topic, so we won't spend too long on it. And that was the one where one of the things that's very popular now in the Oracle database is table functions. Selecting from, we used to have to type in the word table, and then we'd have either a pipeline function or etc. And there's the classic number, which I'm sure you'll be familiar with, 8168, the yes. collection iterator pickler. Yes, yes. <laughs> Blimey, constant. can't believe you're <laughs> giving me this question. <laughs> but I suppose, that I'm not going to delve too much deep into that, but I suppose given the the increasing number in terms of that, because now there are so many things, we've got polymorphic table functions, we've got people selecting from nested tables, we've got you know, SQL macros, which is a slightly different thing, but there is more and more of this concept of coming along where you're selecting from something which is actually no longer a table. It's really code. Yep. Rather than say, let's try to tackle this particular issue, where do you think the optimizer goes from there in terms of there's obviously dynamic right. sampling, but you still have that same problem of you present the same SQL to the, to the system, it only gets parsed once. Yeah, that's right. So dynamic sampling doesn't work in all cases. Uh, we peak some cases, so we do know sometimes when the what the array size is. So I think it's for PLSQL arrays. We do actually peak now. That's very version dependent. So I'm talking about 19, I would say. Although you know, I don't know when it exactly came in. And I have to say, this is this is actually a really hot topic <laughs> because it, it comes up a lot. I've spoken to uh, Chris Saxton about this as well, and. I talked to the CX Oracle people about this as well, because it's a thing in Python, of course, quite often. The background of it is this concept of variable in lists. This is where it came up first, you know, so what shall I use? Lots of different, you know, this variable concertinaed in list, or do I just throw an array? And, and the answer to that is, I like the array concept, but it, it's a difficult question to answer sensibly, actually. And we do peak. There is a, a bug that I have on that at the moment where things like the cardinality estimate are not, is not properly represented with a semi-join. And there's lots of little nuances to this. But you're right. It does ultimately boil down to this thing where what about we parsing it once now if you've got an array or you know i'm talking about arrays mainly of course if you've got if you've got a, a table that wraps around an array what if that array goes from one row to 50 million how are you going to deal with that when you're parsing it once so that of course is the ultimate shot in the foot what do we do with, what do you do in those cases I do have a I do have a solution, but it's not it's it's a code solution. It's not and it's not a perfect solution either, because in theory, what you can do is this this is embarrassing, perhaps. I don't know. I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> is this throwing that. a random literal in there? Well, yeah, so you put a comment in, and all I do is I take the log of under the logarithm of the array size and put that in the comment. I integer it in fact. 
and so that then gives you like this sort of scale factor idea so each query has got is different is unique but has a different order of magnitude for the number of values in the array now i i like that it's good fun but it's not not really an answer right now i would say so I do think it's something of a work in progress and it, the way that we've tackled it so far is to, to extend peaking. So peaking can peak at more things, but that is not a final answer. I would, I would say, um, so I'm going brave here now. And so you can, you can just basically, <laughs> you can just say that is the most stupid thing I've ever heard. I will not be offended at all. Do you think there's scope for a parse hint? Uh, yeah. You mean you just say repass this every time? Yeah. You're basically putting the onus back onto the coder saying it's your job to guarantee that you're not going to put this on that's going to be run a billion times a minute because of the parsing costs. Yeah. But you're almost shifting the responsibility of saying we're going to mark this invalid the moment you've, we've finished executing it. Right. Yeah, that's, that's not a bad idea. I have to think about that. Yeah, possibly because you can kind of, I'm not saying this is good because you can kind of simulate it by smacking a comment with a number in it, of course, and then just change the number. But that's different because that relies on you writing dynamic SQL. And that's the problem with my example is it kind of relies on you being able to piece together SQL randomly when you might not. You've just got the SQL defined in a hash defined in your C or something. You know, it's just fixed. And so adding that sort of dynamic element is is annoying i would say and then your idea is better because you don't have to do that you can rely on a sort of fixed hint so to speak saying you know each time scramble pseudo scramble this or whatever you do just invalidate it after each execution so maybe that's maybe that is a solution i'm going to think about that it is an interesting one for sure and i've got a few quite a few little um avenues that i'm exploring with this because you know i kind of want to fix this problem forevermore <laughs> that's what i feel like with it really because it's such a common use case i'd love to fix it forevermore though part of me is worried that it is perhaps a bit niche because it shouldn't matter that often because i think generally speaking for most systems the array size is generally pretty consistent you know the, the object you're reading from i think is not normally varying from 10 to a million rows you know it's normally sort of within an order of magnitude although conversely though i've also found that because those numbers are typically small people rarely are putting in as you said millions of rows because they're going from like 10 to 50 rows you know it's a small change in number of rows but it's a five-fold change you know or, or the worst yeah. the worst case is when they've gone from one row to you know one row to 10 rows because one is special yeah and like so yeah no that's true it this is it, isn't it? Because I fell into the trap of generalizing there, <laughs> <laughs> which is, oh, it's normally like this, isn't it? Surely. But then, of course, the change from five to six could change everything. Good, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it is fun to think about this. Yeah. It's, it's, it is one of the things I do think about quite a lot. And as I say, I have a bug on the cardinality thing with the semi-join. And do I have any ERs around this? Not yet, because I want the bug fixed first. What I'm trying to do is to get this thing sorted out first and then have a very solid recommendation for how to do it. Now, the, I do have an approach, which is if you, uh, if you put like select from the table cast in, you have to use cast as well. You have to be careful about that. And you, you put it in, say, the from clause so that it's 
you're implying a, a, a join, a standard inner join, uh, that works fine. And the carnality estimates all come out really well. So that works very neatly. Whereas if you use the in mechanism where the in select from the table, that, that doesn't work so well cardinality wise, even though it's much more intuitive. That's the thing. So I want that to work. Uh, and so that's what I'm looking at. Get that working first. And then what's the next step? Cope with this sort of dynamic situation that you say, yeah, the, the hints, not, not a bad idea, actually something like that. Cause then at least the query is fixed and then we just repass it every time. Yeah. So but it is, it is really, I don't know how risky it is. I don't know. I, I actually, I was about to say it's risky, but is it, there's so many systems out there that go crazy with literals anyway, you know, I, I suppose you could always restrict it and say, we'll let you put a pass hint in as long as it also has a dynamic sampling hint. So it's only for those scenarios. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, it's a shame because I, in fact, I did test the dynamic sampling scenario, but it doesn't, it doesn't always work. And it probably generally doesn't work. It's, it's probably the case that it, certainly what I've tested doesn't work. And actually there is another little negative information here that we can't use the adaptive cursor sharing approach because in theory, ACS could get you out of this hole you know it's seeing a different bind value that set of values yielding a different number of rows so therefore why don't we create a new child cursor for it well at the moment we don't we don't deal with that kind of scenario either so that's one of the restrictions that we have that again could be a route around this to to solve it so i don't want to bring up negatives right it mainly works this but there are you know when you think about it deeply you realize there are things that we could enhance to make it do more. I, I like this discussion because I'm hoping it reinforces to our listeners that what seems the most trivial of problems, I've got an array, why can't you work out how many elements in it, has so many nuanced things that you need to consider, which is why I'm always blown away by the way the optimizer most of the time gets stuff right, the amount of variability there. Yeah, well, the thing that I worry about is when I talk about this, I don't want to sound like you should know it or it is complicated or it's, it shouldn't be, you know, we, we're designing this thing to be straightforward. But when, if you really want to dig into the detail and things that it, it is complicated, yeah, but in most cases, you shouldn't need to care. That's what I really want you to, I don't like, uh, in some ways, these discussions are risky because I'm saying it works like this and then not like that. And then it makes people worried that they need to know. And the answer is you shouldn't, you shouldn't really. Well, this is interesting because the second question I wanted to talk about, now that you've said you shouldn't have to dig into the detail. Yeah. The question that came, <laughs> you, you know, oh, I feel I'm going to be punished <laughs> for that one. <laughs> um, no, no, I, I, this is interesting. I, I thought someone phrased this quite politely. I thought is that right. We do have this thing called event 10053, which obviously right. dumps this information. I think you and I can both agree that it would never ever be the recommendation of anyone inside Oracle that this is something that people should be spending their working days on constantly digging into 10053. So basically, right. it's predominantly a support tool, but also it's useful if you want to go exploring, but there's no way known that you should be optimizing your application code by hunting through 10053 all the time. Having said that caveat, the question that came in, which I thought was quite a nice one, they said that no one looks at the AWR tables and data predominantly when they've got, they're looking for a system overview. They look at the reports. Okay. Very few people look at 10046 raw data. 
they look at the TK prof output. Right. Doesn't that then lend scope to the concept of a uh, TK prof for 10053? Even if it was just basically take the abbreviations and expand them into something which is like, say, a HTML equivalent with some nicer names. Right. I can, I can edit this pause out. I'm glad. <laughs> and then I come up with an instantaneous, decisive answer. <laughs> I don't mind if you leave the pause in because I think it's a hard question to answer that. There are various around about the place parsers for 10053 and I've seen them and used them. And one of the issues with 10053 is it's massive quite often. Quite often you're talking at gigabytes. And I think summarization is a massive challenge. Um, we have added things like we've got the query block registry graph is dumped in it now. So you can kind of see where the query blocks have come from. So there are a few things here and there that we do to tweak it. But I think summarization is incredibly difficult and i've seen it in fact visualized and summarized in various ways and it's always difficult and the bottom line for me has always been get the before and after case the good versus the bad and put them side by side and look at where they start to diverge and that's that's what i do to deal with them and i, I don't know what other people do with 10053 i just think there have been a lot of attempts to to visualize it and summarize it. And I think it's borderline not useful for me because it is there's so much information in there. I'm not even sure what the key information is. You know, you've got the the things like the transform query, you've got the final plan, and then you've got the uh, the query block registry, for example, those kinds of things. Don't know. It's something that we pass through many, many times, but I've yet to see a really thing, something that legitimately makes it easier to deal with. And I've seen some really fantastic work done to summarize and visualize it Re really properly good uh, examples, but nothing that I felt actually this will now stop me from putting the blasted things side by side and, and looking at the diff. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't envy someone having to do it. No. I'd, I, I'd, I'd no. appreciate if it was there, but I certainly wouldn't envy the task of doing it. No, it's, it's a tough job. Uh, and as I say, there's been some really fantastic goes at it. Uh, really, really good. Um, but again, I'm not sure how much it, at the end, ultimately, does it help? I'm not, I'm not sure it does because summarization doesn't really work with it. You know, you need that raw data in order to really know what's going on and summarizing it, it is, is hard. There, there are ways, there are things you can do for sure, but um, I'm not sure how much they add ultimately. And I think obviously we've been talking for a long time and this will obviously end up being multiple podcast episodes, mm -hmm. but to finish off, to give you your day back, You've mentioned there, I've got two 10053 traces side by side. Yeah. One would imagine that's at the end of a long road of tackling a SQL tuning issue. Right. When you get to that thing, you've generally exhausted a lot of, a yeah, lot of other options. That's true. So for the vast majority of developers who are working with Oracle, who generally are just hoping that the optimizer does them a good service, yeah. and occasionally they have to dive in and right. work out why it's not getting a good service. For that developer, when they've hit a, a poor plan, what do you think, to finish off this, this 
episode, what do you think is a good first few steps right. before they started either calling in the big guns in their own department or the support or whatever? So what, what's, what's your first few steps? Right, okay. So I have a, I've actually made an attempt to answering this question in the blog. Um, it's not directly head-on. It's slightly from a, an oblique an, angle perhaps. But it's, first of all, there's the boring one. Are oh, your stats fresh? Let's just get that one out of the way first. And um, make sure you're reparsing the query if you're about to test it again, just in case it's not been invalidated. Just make sure that you are actually reparsing the query when you try it again after gathering your stats. Or use the no invalidate equals false or no that one. <laughs> so anyway, that aside, what I think the best approach, I think, is just to have a look at the query first. First thing I would do is try it with dynamic sampling cracked on to 10 or 11 or I don't know, eight, something high. I'd also try it with maybe eight and 11 side by side and see which one makes a difference. So I would, that's the first thing I would do saying as, as Oracle able to spot a cardinality problem and be, and can it resolve it? That's the first thing I would just do. Um, the other thing that, that I have to recommend people do actually is is try the SQL tuning advisor as well to run it through that and see what that comes up with as well. So I think those two steps, in other words, before you start thinking about opening the bonnet and pulling out the spark plug leads, just try and get everything understood first, do the simple things first. And so that's what I would do to start with SQL tuning advisor, something like dynamic sampling to have a look. Now, if dynamic sampling fixes it, that's fantastic because it gives you a clue. There's probably um, a problem with a cardinality estimate somewhere, uh, possibly. And so again, SQL monitor is a great tool for that. So SQL monitor output is, is the way really to, to look at a query and understand why it's taking a long time because it shows you where it's spending all its time. And it's brilliant because it also shows you things like actual rows versus the estimated row. So you can even see where it's got the numbers wrong. So that's where I would look. Um, I don't, another thing that I would do is always say, have I got a better plan for this somewhere? And that may be in AWR, maybe in a SQL tuning set, I don't know. But you might have a pre, an earlier plan for this query. Enable it, just, just enforce it with the SQL plan baseline, perhaps. That's another thing that I would look at using and using that as a technique. But I, if, if I'm honest, I like to sort of at least look at the query and say, why is this a hard query to optimize? Why are we making a mistake here? Is there something fundamental about the query? And if you look at, I, I had a phase where I was just getting query after query after query that was almost impossible to optimize properly because the where clauses were so complicated like the, the easiest example i can give of that is where you've said where name like percent x percent how do we know how, how many rows that's gonna gonna fetch now of course the way we do know is dynamic sampling so that is a trick you can use to do that so we have a solution built in but you know if your query is littered with those kind of difficult to estimate carnality estimates then kind of buying your own trouble to some extent. And then you should look at things like dynamic sampling as a general practice for your workload, perhaps. It's like I used to always prompt people with uh, the telephone book metaphor. Although for anyone listening, a telephone book is this ancient device we used to receive in the mail where we could actually look up people's telephone numbers. 
it's that same thing as if I need to know what someone's surname is, that's fine. I can jump to the right spot in the telephone book. If you're asking me what the second letter of their surname is, you know, well, you're in for a bad day. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah you really are. You're going to be paging yeah, through so, a fair bit. Yes. Yeah, so I, I uh, and in fact, some people that I know who are the best at solving performance problems in queries, the first thing they do is look at the query and say, what is it doing? That is the most powerful thing that you can do, in my opinion. What is this query doing? And why is it doing that? Now, when I was young and more stupid, I used to carry this idea that there was no such thing as a bad query because we should always optimize it and deal with it, right? That's, that's what we should do. And of course, I'd love to be able to say that that is possible, but I, over the years, I've <laughs> gradually been... <laughs> it's been beaten out of you. <laughs> beaten, that's been beaten out of me fully. <laughs> but all right this query is okay i can see why you've got it but yeah i can see also why we we're struggling to deal with it so yeah i i've now grudgingly accepted that but it is a good idea and you know quite often if there's a cause of this no it's not anybody's fault <laughs> again going back to my I don't want to judge people because it's very easy to say, oh, well, your schema's rubbish. You know, why have you done it like that? Why is the schema so badly designed in inverted commas? But we have to remember things evolve over time. And also things are kind of shoehorned in for reasons of expediency, right? Let's just bang in a couple of codes concatenated together into this column. And then that becomes the center of their business workflow, you know. Uh, you That's know. right. Where, where's the invoice number? That's in position 32 of the character. Exactly. Okay. That's yes. right. I mean, if you then look at Oracle, get out of jail card, uh, free card. Again, there's lots of things you've got to deal with that. But it does rely on you to some extent, understanding that that situation's occurring. And of course, the, the interesting aspect of that is that for those kind of cases, you've got a pattern in your SQL that's hard to estimate, but it's used everywhere. So all of your queries now are subject to this pattern that's, that's causing you problems and it spreads. So that's another thing that is always very difficult, of course, is that it's very, very hard to judge the scope of something that's not right in a query, you know, or something that's difficult about a, the design of the database itself, you know, the physical database design. You don't necessarily know the scope of, of that that will have on your business processes service level it's how can you predict that it's it, because if it's if this tricky predicate is using one query good to go probably if it's used everywhere as to enforce a security model for example then more tricky more difficult to deal with and it's everywhere yeah as i say it's very philosophical the discussion connor but i'm easily led down the road of philosophy i have to say because i do find it very interesting all of this it is an interesting topic but i i think yeah look at your query what is it doing have i got a quick fix or plan have i got sql tuning advisor is it going to give me for example something i should consider doing something changing um and, and go from there really and if you're going to use a sql profile from that then by all means, create one. And then I always like to then create a SQL plan baseline for it. And then you can, if you want, turn the profile off. And then you've got that plan and it will evolve. So you can do that because you can use a SQL profile and a SQL plan baseline together. There's no problem doing that. So. And just to prove to our listeners that this isn't a rehearsed or set up 
set of guidelines, I'll give you mine, which differ to Nigel's. For me, along a similar path, the first thing I always like to ask is, and I suppose I should actually prefix this, I should actually ask what is the query actually doing, but I didn't actually put that. My, my first step was I always look at a query and ask myself, can it run fast? Because it's the amazing amount of times where people say, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm aggregating my 50 years worth of data of a billion transactions a year. I need to get a grand total and it's not sub-second. And I'm like, well, duh. Often SQL tuning in my, when I used to do consulting for customers, a lot of it was just pointing out, are you aware of just how much data you are sifting through to try to get this answer? And this may lead into discussions about how we're going to resolve this via design or materialized views or whatever in memory, it doesn't matter. But often it's just pointing out to people, are you aware of what you're attempting to tackle here? And that leads to a solution. Yeah, actually, I don't think we're disagreeing. If I was smarter and quicker, I'd have said that one first as well, <laughs> because that, that is the best one to do first. And, um, and probably my second one is, it's similar to what you said, I'm a huge fan of the gather plan statistics hint, which, which effectively is the same as using SQL Monitor. The reason I don't normally often reference SQL Monitor, even though I think it's a fantastic little tool, is every time I mention it, there'll be somewhere out there in the Twitter sphere or somewhere out there on the blogosphere or someone on my YouTube video comments going, that's a separately licensed facility and they get stuck into me and I'm not a licensed expert. So for me, if you're licensed for it, use it. But if not, gather plan statistics, gives you the same information, just not in nice real time and not, not as graphically nice, but you still get the same data out of there. And as I said, so many problems are just a cardinality discrepancy. And the first thing whenever an Ask Tom question comes in, they, I say, rerun your query, add this hint, run DBMSX plan display cursor at the end of it and send it back to us. And that is often... Yeah, I must admit, so you're making me chuckle a little bit because so often I get a plan and it's, it's there's a line break halfway across <laughs> it and then I get this thing that's just like, what am I looking at exactly? I don't really know. So that's a tip for anyone sending any of those is please, please set your line size. <laughs> get the line sizes sorted out first. Uh, but yeah, I, I must admit, my big go-to is gather plan statistics hint it is very useful yeah because you can see discrepancies you have to be a bit careful because i think sometimes it can lead you a bit astray because you'll often see an estimate of what of one when it means one but it started many times so you know it's an unnecessary loop so those sort of things you've got to keep an eye out for and so i always treat it slightly with a pinch of salt but if you are get a bit of experience using it it becomes basically a a god level tool really as you say it's kind of it's very very good for that it's a very high powered tool for for those kind of situations i would say i'm just trying to think i the the advantage i'm just trying to think of an advantage of sql monitoring you can get it during execution so that's quite nice but it's generally not the end of the world i would say in most cases that's not really going to be a problem i would think so but yeah no it's it's a it's a great way of figuring out i suppose then the question that comes from that is what do you do about it then what are you going to do that will be the topic for another podcast okay <laughs> because i have to admit i feel quite content about rounding this up now that we're talking philosophy and pinches of salt okay. i feel that's it that's that's the perfect message to end our end it our is yes in the sort of vague non-decisive manner <laughs> <laughs> So Nigel, thank you very much for your time. I promise I won't go any more LinkedIn trawling. You'll probably get some notification tomorrow saying, 
recruiters are looking at your profile. <laughs> rest, rest, rest assured, it was possibly me. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, once again, I advise readers to uh, reach out to Nigel on Twitter. Make sure you follow Nigel on Twitter. Keep up with all his fantastic content on blogs.oracle.com slash optimizer. And Nigel, once again, thank you very much for well, your time. Thanks, Connor. Great fun. Good chat. Um, it was nice for me. I hope people find value in it. That's all I can say. So it was great, great fun. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this podcast. The music credit goes to Zanman from Pixabay Music.